three, two, one, clap. <laughs> We're supposed to try and clap together. I did. Three. We clapped at the same time. The oh, only okay. reason why you're hearing a delay is because of my phone and my and okay. I'm wearing AirPods. I believe you. Well, this is all things hair. <laughs> I'm Jennifer. I'm Emily. No. And wait, you're not Jennifer? I don't think so. <laughs> not at this moment. <laughs> Uh, I'm Emily and this is Sally. <laughs> I'm Jennifer Sally. You're Jolly. Jolly. And this is a podcast where we talk about delightful, uplifting stories from math, art, and only the present day. And sometimes charity work. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is to say, this is really all things terror. <laughs> where we tell you terrifying tales from science, history, and true crime, and sometimes we forget our names. It's already a long Saturday. It already is. Um, my hello, three fans. I hope you're enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of our three fr- fans, one of them is my dad, who uh, is definitely an All Things Terror fan. Hi, Dad. Um, and definitely a Jennifer fan. Hi, Emily's um, dad. Yeah. <laughs> and for Christmas this year, he gave me a calendar. It's like these these one-a-day calendars. You know, like every day you tear off the little paper square and so you get to see a new thing. And the new thing I see is, uh, like, unsolved mysteries throughout history. And some of them are really great and some of them are not. Uh, but today's episode is inspired by one of those, which ironically I have lost the paper to. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have saved some very carefully because I'm like, these are great ideas for all things terror, but this particular one I lost. So, uh, who knows, but it is the theme of today's episode. I have... A very egocentric question to ask you, though. Ask it. Does your dad know that I was... Does he know yet that I was at your birthday party? <laughs> I should ask him. So I had a Zoom birthday party in December of 2020. And um, I think two of our three top fans showed up, which was my dad and uh, Kurt. And um, you and my dad were there at the same time. And I, I don't know if he, he knew that that was... Jennifer of the podcast. Maybe he was actually starstruck. I'll have to ask him. <laughs> or maybe he'll just pop into the group when he sees this episode. Um, I'm I'm the worst non-celebrity to be starstruck. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I thought I like I feel like I introduced y'all. Like this is Jennifer. I do the podcast with, and I thought he'd be like, "Oh, hey, I love your work. I I listen." And I think he was just like, oh, cool. Hi. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe he knew and he was playing it cool. Maybe it didn't connect. I don't know. This is a true dad moment. <laughs> the dad mystery. <laughs> While that is an enduring mystery that I'm not going to explain today, I will tell you the one that I will explain today that I have lost the origin of is the mystery of Dun dun dun! Star Jelly. That's a fantastic name. <laughs> so, indeed, what is behind this fantastic name? Uh, well, Star Jelly is 
blobs. They're often described as gelatinous. Uh, sometimes they are clear or white slash gray, but they can be orange or bluish purple. They appear after rain, and I'm quoting here uh, the Michigan State University Extension uh, work, quote, suddenly in lawns, pastures, paved surfaces, roofs, or stones. Uh, there's quite a few references to star jelly growing on trees or on top of roots. And if you have any questions, you can Google it. There's a lot of pictures online. They look like, I don't know if you've ever gotten like a, uh, a meal delivery kit, like Blue Apron or HelloFresh, which B2Dub, feel free to sponsor us, Blue Apron or HelloFresh. But uh, <laughs> they come... <laughs> They come with like those gel ice packs and you know, you can get gel ice packs all the time, but if you've ever cut one of those things open, that's kind of what it looks like. Those like water absorbent things or like, I feel like a couple years ago, there were like this bean things became kind of trendy, like these beans that would absorb water and you could like fill a sink with them or grow bamboo in them. Like maybe if you punctured one of those beans, so they look kind of like that. Does that make sense? Or sea snot. What? Sea snot. Have you seen it? No. What is sea snot? Oh man, I used to get a bunch of it in a marsh, but it's just like this super slimy, gelatinous substance that you uh, might catch in your net in a marsh or the sea. Yeah. Okay. I'll I send you a picture. It. Yeah, kind of like sea snot. Um, it weirdly though, I mean, this is the thing why it's it's a deal because um, it's not only found near marshes or the beach; it's found all over the world. Um, quite famously, and I say quite famously because, like, if you look up any articles about this, they will cite this. Um, it's called pudrasser in Scottish, which means rot of the stars, and. <laughs> According to one source, it's called Caca de Luna in a uh, part of Mexico, which moon shit. Moon <laughs> shit. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was just like, I really hope. I know Jennifer will get this, but Caca <laughs> means shit. Like it's not poop; it's shit. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. And Caca de Luna, so beautiful. Ah, yes, I speak as a Spanish, even though this is. A weird French Italian accent, uh, but no, no it's stop. just shit of the moon. <laughs> uh, aside from my terrible accent, uh, star jelly has been reported in the United States, Russia, and particularly in Great Britain and Germany as well. So it's kind of all over. Uh, according to a scholarly article, and I want to say that this is probably not peer-reviewed, but it is sort of like a scholarly monograph series, um, which sort of makes what I'm about to say even funnier. Uh, the star jelly, quote, tastes like fresh cold water and either turns to water or evaporates within one to two hours. What? Somebody ate it? Why did they eat it? I mean, no, I know why they ate it, because that's what people do. They're like, what's this? Put it in my mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, sorry, that's this is a, just a really emotional moment. <laughs> <laughs> that whole like emotional <laughs> journey is also exactly what I went through. Of, like, <laughs> no, 
don't taste weird goo you find on the ground. Oh, of course people are going to taste weird goo you find on the ground. Okay, what did it taste like? That's We'll put it in the literature. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, to be fair, this author, Vladimir Bykov, was quoting somebody else. But still, just, just for the record, uh, you should probably not taste weird substances that you just find um, a line about. I will say, so this article by Vladimir Bykov, if anyone finds this art, uh, episode really interesting, uh, Bykov's article, and I'll be quoting it throughout, uh, has a lot of these incidents summarized, and I will definitely talk about some of the incidents, and then the back half of this episode is all about, like, what could be causing star jelly theories. Uh, but if anyone finds these incidents very interesting... He has a bunch summarized uh, where people see blobs of this stuff, not just on the ground, but also fall out of the sky, which is really interesting. Uh, so remember how he said it was found all over the world? Well, star jelly is also found all throughout history. There's a reference to it in Scientific American, published in 1846. Uh, Scientific American has been published since 1845 and is still going strong. Who knew? I did not know until I... Did this uh <laughs> sir walter scott uh who at first i thought was sir walter raleigh who is like possibly the lover of queen elizabeth and he was like this pirate and discovered virginia like this really cool guy and i was like wow raleigh and then i was like oh wait 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 no not him sir walter scott who's just scottish uh he actually wrote about star jelly or something that sounds like it in 1825 and his quote was, quote, seek a fallen star and thou shalt only light on some foul jelly, which in shooting through the horizon has assumed for a moment an appearance of splendor. That so, is pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very uh, John Donne, the flea poem-ish, if anyone is an English nerd. Um, but... <laughs> Two good points in this. One, um, throughout history, the star jelly is recorded as smelling bad, which is gross and interesting. Uh, and also, it gets its name from star jelly because people think that it's the remains of a shooting star, like aka a meteor. So this thing blazes across the sky and leaves this jelly in its wake. Uh, but 1825 is not even as far back as this goes. There are similar passages throughout the 1600s, and even one record uh, that gets cited a ton is from this guy, John of Gaddison, and he died in 1361, which is, I don't even know what was going on in the 1300s, but this guy was writing about it, and he said, quote, star of the land, which is, and I, this is a translation from Latin, which is a mucilaginous... <laughs> It's a, you know, mucinex, grossness, substance, uh, lying on the ground, prevents abscesses hot in the beginning. So it's a, a good little blurb for your Tinder bio. <laughs> and I know that I talk about old-timey things a lot, but we can even speed up. In 1950, in Philadelphia, apparently, there's a story of two policemen who are like, walking their beat, doing the thing. They're like, hey, we're in Philly, whatever. And they find a huge purplish, for lack of letter, better word, blob, blitter, I almost said blitter blurb, 
a uh, better word, Bob. <laughs> so this thing is six feet across. So hello, we're in March 2021, a year of the pandemic. All of us should theoretically be very good at estimating a length of six feet. That's how far we're supposed to be away from everybody at all times. Uh, but six feet, you lay down and stretch your arms up because I'm five and change, right? So that's how long across it was. And then it's a foot deep in the middle, a blob that big. And it's just sort of, you know, moving like jello and it's purplish. And they were like, you know what? OSHA isn't that thing yet. So let's just pick this up and see what happens. <laughs> naturally. And so they and put it in their naturally. mouth. <laughs> yeah, probably. What does it taste like? So <laughs> they go to pick it up and it dissolves. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And apparently this incident, which got reported in newspapers, was the inspiration for the movie The Blob. (laughs) Which is hilarious. But also, throughout doing this research, I learned that that was that movie, The Blob, uh, which I just flashed to, like, the image of, like, this slow-moving lava, like, going down a theater aisle and people are screaming. Um but that was Steve McQueen's first leading role. Did you know that? I did not know that, but also that's hilarious. <laughs> that's so I funny. know. <laughs> I know. I feel the same way. Both of these things are hilarious. <laughs> One, uh, why are policemen just touching giant things of jello that they find in the street? Also two, eating it. I had, I had no idea <laughs> that this was Steve McQueen's first movie. Um, it doesn't say that the policemen eat it, but come on, they 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 ate it. They, come on, they did we know it. it. They tried it. <laughs> so we're gonna skip forward even more. In 1994, uh, this is the creepiest incident that I found in all of these, and I read quite a few incidences of star jelly. And uh, according to our pal Bykov, who re- reported the apparent taste of star jelly, um. <laughs> This occurred in Oakville, Washington in 1994, and I'm just going to read you the whole thing because it's short and it's spooky. So, quote, Sunny Barcliffe found small clots of transparent gel on her mother's farm. Unlike the majority of star gels, which usually drop simultaneously with stalling, with falling stars, not stalling farts. Uh, <laughs> We're both doing it now. I know, it's a disease. Uh, This gel did not thaw all at once in succession. Barcliffe sent samples to the hospital from where they were promptly forwarded to the Washington State Department of Health for further analysis. The analysis showed many harmful bacteria in the gel. The report listed Pseudomonas florensis, interior bacteria cloacae, and human leukocytes. Within several days after the first occurrence, Barcliffe's mother became ill. And I have, uh, according to her doctor, she had, quote, within a quote, a severe infection, ear, inner ear infection. And now I have to say this is the sentence that is the worst for me. In addition, more than a dozen kittens in the premises died. No, no. I, hate, I hate when kittens die. We're very pro-cat and pro-pet this podcast. And this is RIP. Donate to your local animal shelter, everyone. R.I.P. Star Jelly Fatalities and Kittens. So, 
Uh, to continue the quote, though, uh, neither the FAA nor the nearby McCord Air Force Base nor the state health department had an explanation for the falling gel. Three days later, a police officer's patrol car was covered by more falling gel. Afterward, the officer, as well as other city inhabitants, became so sick they had to be hospitalized. End quote. It's a so gel pandemic. It's a gel. It's a geldemic, if you will. That's uh, that's so bad. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> keep your keep your cats inside, everybody. <laughs> uh to be fair my cats are like 90 percent indoor cats but they go they used to go outside before i moved and i feel like my cats would be like hey mom what's up and like walk back in the house and i'd be like why are you covered with fucking clear jello what's wrong with you they just be like don't worry about it and then they'd like shake it off and they'd be fine and i would have like a second arm growing out of my rib or something like that feels like something my cats would do on purpose. Like, they wouldn't be like, I got caught in the star jelly. No, they'd be like, hey, look, I found it. I'm bringing it home for you. I ate some of it, too. It tastes like water. <laughs> hey, remember last summer when I kept bringing mice into your house as a present? Well, now I've brought carcinogenous gel. <laughs> Just for you. <laughs> uh, and that person ate it. Probably multiple people, because this guy was citing people who are talking about what it tastes like. So just keep that in mind. Um, I'm going to read you one more incident of Star Jelly, but this time, frankly, it's delightful. Like, we're going all the way to 2020, which we just ended. Felix fucking losing his shit on a bone. Felix, knock it right the fuck off. <laughs> where was i the best star jelly story of 2020 oh yeah the best star jelly story comes from 2020 which was a goddamn shit show nothing good happened everything was the worst um but this story is delightful because while it is about some unexplainable goo appearing for no reason uh, this newspaper article that I found from England sounds like it was right, written in 1902, and it was just heartwarming. So I'm going to read the <laughs> whole thing to you, and it's pretty short. Quote, can anyone solve the mystery of these strange slime bobs? They appeared, apparently from nowhere, at the side of Alan Dixon's garden pond in rural Hertfordshire today, Sunday. Mr. Dixon has lived at his home at Westhop near Cannon Pion for almost 40 years, but has never seen the jelly-like blobs before. I would say they are animal rather than vegetable in origin, but I'm really not sure what they are or how they got there, he said. They were not there yesterday. It looks like a fairly rare occurrence. The appearance of blobs like this have caused debate around the country for years. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John Wilson of the Hertfordshire Times, for giving us the best news bulletin of 2020. Uh, like, it's so all, wholesome. <laughs> it's so wholesome. All news bulletins of 2020 are like, alert, everything's on fire. And this is like, pardon me, could anybody solve this mystery? It's quite rare and totally innocuous. Uh, it's the best. But still, like, what what is happening? What is this? Why is this jelly appearing, falling out of the sky. 
grossing up, sliming up the land, if you will. So there are some theories. But uh, no first, answers? <laughs> uh, listen, I think, let's see, I've got one, two, three, four-ish theories. I think one feels like a pretty good answer. I feel like there's two that are pretty good answers. Okay. But it's just from like the terror is the mystery to the terror is the answer. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to do a bunch of sciencing. So I hope that you're you're ready for this. I've I've got my science pants on. Wow. I I thought you were going to say hat, but I'm glad to hear you have a whole whole like pair of pants. Yeah. I, I pictured them being rubber, so you could, like, contain slash repel any science goo that might occur. It's actually just a pair of waders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can wade right into the <laughs> So, look, despite the fact that it's called star jelly or cockadaluna, it's pretty much not cast off goo from meteorites. Because even though traditionally through folklore they've been like oh they're shooting stars we see them in the sky and then we see the jelly on our land meteorites are rocks hurling through our atmosphere and they get crazy hot like bonkers bananas so many degrees and they burn out all their layers so there's no way that they're just like dropping goo all that goo is gonna burn right up right yeah some people you can certainly find a lot of reading that are like, this is alien stuff. Of course. And like, okay, whatever. If that's your thing, sure. But I I don't not believe in aliens, but I also don't not not believe in aliens. But I just don't think this is not. There's just, there's just some pretty compelling scientific explanations for Star Jelly. And they're still wild AF. So, like, we don't need to go to, like, aliens doing some weird thing that's hard to even finish the sentence of. (laughs) You can't get through a whole sentence if the only sentence is just aliens. Well, okay. It's probably not it. So, here's theory number one. Ripped out of frogs. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, this one is connected to frog getting it on uh, Marvin Gaye style. So, specifically, here's how it works. So, female frogs have eggs, right? And they're coated in this gel as they're coming around the mountains slash tubes on their way to exit the frog, if you will. But let's say that a female frog gets ed up by a bird or a fox or whatever, because that happens a lot to frogs. This is the world we live in. Frogs get eaten. So, the predator, let's say the fox, because that's kind of cute and amusing to think about um it doesn't want to eat this like jelly so if it bites the frog and gets a mouthful it's gonna spit it out or throw it up or if it's like coming across a roadkill frog and it like chomps it all up uh, it's not gonna eat this coating of the eggs and this egg coating uh when it hits water it swells a lot so it's not that the egg goo lady egg goo i i tried very hard to find better words for this i like lady goo lady goo (laughs) so the lady goo is not huge but what happens is that it it hits water and puffs up right 
So probably we've all seen a picture of frog spawn, frog eggs like floating in water because tadpoles are about to come out, right? Okay, see that's the goo. Just imagine it without the little tadpoles in the middle. So that's a theory for star goo. There's also this one uh, that is related to it that it's maybe like a frog male is masturbating and the spawn comes out, but there aren't eggs. I don't, this is 100% the limits of my knowledge of frog reproduction. I don't really <laughs> know who the spawn comes from when you have something unfertilized spawn. Um, do both frogs make spawn? Is spawn, whatever. But frog spawn slash egg lubrication goo that gets taken out of the frog is a theory for star jelly. The wildest sentence I've ever said in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so basically like frog sex and reproduction stuff. Yeah, just like in the spring, frogs get a little extra jello-y and it's gross. And sometimes that gets squeezed out of them through means that are pleasant or unpleasant, depending on whether you are a frog or a thing that eats the frogs. All right, fair enough. So that's one theory. Another theory is that it's a form of fungus and there are some weird fungus among us. This is where I get to talk about slime molds. Oh, I love slime molds. <laughs> slime molds is like, what even is nature? What is it? <laughs> I don't, these are things. So slime molds are, quote, eukaryotic organisms, end quote, which like, cool. Uh, so they don't necessarily have to group together, but they do. And they do when they feel like partying and reproducing. So they do it. And that, there's that just, would be an orgy for those yeah, of you who aren't They're familiar. just like, it's time. It's time to switch up this partnership. Uh, COVID is over. Let's get weird. <laughs> so they can look like all kinds of different things. Um, they can look like a big old spider sack or yellow goo or just gel. I, in my time as a camper, have seen a lot of lichen and moss. And if you basically scale that up and make it really slimy, then you're picturing a slime mold. They were originally classified as a fungi, which is also what a mushroom is, uh, and possibly a future episode, because fungi and mushrooms are mind-blowing. But anyway, um, but they got the Pluto treatment. They've been kicked out of that, and now they are no longer in the same family, and they are something different. Rude. Yeah, it is a little bit. But if you like gross or unusual science images, I would highly, highly recommend that you take a stroll through the uh, slime mold Google results. Like, you know, the close-up pics of, like, eyelash mites or, like, super yes. microscopic organisms? Or, like, if you look at mold growing on your food before you throw it out. If either of those things appeal to you, these pictures are your jam. So this is a theory that it's a particular type of slime mold. Um, slime molds have been tested from time to time and they don't always have the like cellular structure that you would expect to see in a slime mold, but slime molds are weird, so it could be. 
Another pretty common explanation for star jelly is Nostoc, which is a kind of cyanobacteria, which is very similar to slime mold. Uh, it is, and I'm again quoting from the Michigan State Extension website, Nostoc is, quote, a genus of cyanobacterium formerly classified as blue-green algae. So again, algae is slimy. I, I am a little skeptical about star jelly being Nostoc because Nostoc is super green and star jelly is often no color. But uh, Nostoc is worth mentioning because it is gross and interesting in its own name, right? And it gives us these other delightful names like mare's eggs, <laughs> meadow's ears, and witch's butter. I like it. Just imagine like a slimy, wet-looking, gelatinous slime on your lawn. And you're like, oh, what a beautiful crop of witch's butter. <laughs> so here's a terrifying and disgusting feature of Nostoc. Quote, from its gelatinous green state, it dries to a black crust that comes yeah. back to life when there is sufficient rain. So it... Quote. It, uh, it freeze-dries itself. <laughs> it's a self-preserving witch's butter. <laughs> wow. Hey, folks, do you find it hard to get through a container of butter before it starts going rancid? <laughs> me too. Let me introduce you to witch's butter. It's already if rancid. You <laughs> if you can't finish it off in time, that's okay. We'll revert to a black crust until you're ready to moisten us up again. <laughs> Oh, so gross. And fellas, if you ever want to get completely rid of the witch's butter, just stop using phosphorus-based fertilizers. Fair that's enough. how you get that's how you get rid of Nostoc if anyone is experiencing this and doesn't find our uh, connection to the inexplicable star jelly humorous. <laughs> so there are there is one more explanation. Of course, I have saved the best for last, but before we get there, I want to end this section about organic moldy weird things with this quote from the MSU extension because it is just such a lovely science geek moment, but it also provides this other like mind-blowing what even is nature. Like you don't have to invent weird aliens because as it turns out, our own like world is weird enough. So quote, Although we may not appreciate it growing in our lawns or on our pavement, consider that Nostoc possesses many redeeming properties. I'm already hooked. This is delightful. Several Nostoc species have been used as both a food and medicine for centuries and have more recently been evaluated for their pharmaceutical properties, including antibacterial metabolites, cholesterol regulation, and control of certain cancers. They also have potential for being utilized to produce biofuels. They have the ability to fix nitrogen from the air and contain pigments, which allow them to use the sun's energy for photosynthesis. The chloroplasts in plants are believed to have evolved from cyanobacteria. They contain compounds capable of absorbing ultraviolet light, which allow them to withstand extreme UV radiation. Side note, fucking cool. Uh, there are species adapted to water and land that are able to withstand extreme temperatures like those present in pools of water near active, volca active volcanoes or in the Arctic. Cyanobacteria were most likely the first organisms on Earth to release oxygen into the atmosphere, 
setting in motion the development of higher plant and animal forms. End quote. Interesting. Why? Why is there a bacteria that lives in a volcano? I don't know, but there I is. Mean, I get it. Volcanoes <clears throat> are warm and cool. What about the Arctic? Why? I don't know, but there is. No, there's no excuse for that. <laughs> How dare you? Betrayal. <laughs> yeah. So listen, uh, slime molds and algae are gross, objectively. They're just disgusting. But this is really cool. Like, they have a good point. This is probably the first living things on Earth. They are from what plants develop the ability to photosynthesize. They can adapt and live in these weird, extreme places where we would not think people or organisms could live. Uh, you should go back to your one about the bacteria that goes up your nose. Uh, it can live <laughs> everywhere. Fascinating. But going to move on because I have saved the best for last. And here is what I think is the most compelling reason for star jelly and also the most mind-blowing. And that is the idea that bacteria can form and live and thrive inside clouds. That is not something I thought about ever. Nope, me neither. I was just like, what in the actual what? So going back to our old pot pal Vladimir Baikov, who again wrote about the taste of star jelly. Um, so his whole thing, he like introduces what star jelly is, and then he's like, I'm gonna do some math, because he's talking about the particular densities that would be necessary for some matter to get taken up into a cloud. Uh, and he does this mathing to demonstrate that, quote, dust, spores, plant pollen, and other remains are taken up by airstreams to clouds and thus occupy clouds. Being heterogeneous ice and hail forming nuclei in vertical cloudy cells, they can form hailstones, flakes, and small pieces of ice on which physical, chemical, and biological processes can take place." End quote. So in addition to Baikoff, I also read another piece who quotes Cindy Morris, who is the research director at the French National Institute for Agriculture Research. And she says, quote, Bacteria are very, very light, and so almost any air movement can lift them up. So she describes this motion where bacteria are sort of on top of the soil or plants, and the wind comes along and just sort of puffs them up like dandruff, which is her analogy, not mine. So if you think about dandruff on top of your hair, you just sort of woof your hair and it goes all over. So while that is not my analogy, I do indeed get dandruff. <laughs> if anybody has created bingo cards for Emily's ailments, you're welcome. <laughs> so anyway, so in this research, scientists have taken samples from clouds, and I don't know how. I guess my answer would be carefully. That's how they do it. And they've sequenced the DNA in it and found over 100 different bacteria that are from land and also the ocean, which is very cool and fascinating. I mean, this is basically the water cycle that we learned about in elementary school, right? Uh, water from the ocean evaporates, goes up to a cloud, the cloud goes over the land and rains down. But in that water molecule, we also have bacteria that is sort of riding along like a cowboy on a horse. I was going to say, free transportation, why not? Right? <laughs> and this research is sort of suggesting that the bacteria not just sort of hitch along, that they survive in there and they maybe even influence the weather to their benefit. Oh so, my God. 
I know. Isn't this crazy? So one theory is that because the bacteria are kind of heavier, what they do is sort of bounce together. And this causes the, like the, the water droplets in a cloud to, to kind of come together and get dense sooner or easier, which means that rain or snow or hail is going to happen faster than if, say, there was no bacteria. Um, there was also one article that said maybe it contributes to lightning formation, which I didn't really understand, but essentially lightning is sort of when different molecules kind of bounce together in a weird format. So the theory is that maybe the type of bacteria involved increases that, which is crazy and super interesting. I've never thought of this before. Uh, I feel like everything that I've learned in like third grade science is a lie. <laughs> I know, me too. I wrote... Everything is full of other things. Like rainwater is full of bacteria. I am full of tiny bacteria. Cheese is full of worms. Rain is full of dust. Nothing is real. Like <laughs> everything is bacteria and we are just bacteria's containers. Anyway, but before we go too far into this like weird science fangirling, uh, circling back to Baikov. So his theory is that certain bacteria can get taken up. They clump together in clouds and when they get taken up there, their clumping ability is such that they are able to form this dense goo. Uh, and that's why sometimes you can find these accounts of the star jelly where people see the goo falling from the clouds because they're seeing this sort of bacteria clump. His other theory is that, so if you remember that tale I related where People got sick and the kittens died and went to heaven. Poor baby kitten. Um, his theory is that if the bacteria that gets taken up comes from over some sort of hospital or waste plant situation or something that's quite noxious, those bacteria could theoretically, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm doing one science, it's outside of our realm, but theoretically, we could be picking up these bacteria that somehow get preserved in this weird way because there are other bacteria around them that form this sort of mucus and then they get precipitated down and then somehow if you encounter that that might be why you get sick he also has an explanation or theory for why some of the reports and again not all of them but some of them say that the star jelly smells bad quote poop <laughs> well <laughs> i mean poop Poop is always the answer for just about every question on this podcast. But in this case, quote, it is also possible <laughs> to explain the foul order, odor of the object. When bacteria are destroyed, a putrefactive odor can be formed from the products of biological disintegration. Bluish, whitish, and even orange colors, P. aurantiasia, are also typical for the bacteria P. fluorescence. end quote. So, so it's a that, death part. It is... Basically, a cloud shart of bacteria <laughs> uh, that falls to Earth and is not brown. Hence, star jelly. I, I feel that I'm going to have to really um, investigate things I learned in my natural sciences <laughs> classes <laughs> from... I... Childhood through college, because um, I never learned about bacteria falling from the sky and I mean, farting on the way down. I will, f 
firmly say that, you know, just because bacteria could be wafted up in the clouds does not mean that all clouds and rain are full of, you know, little biological warfare bombs. But yeah, I started out on this journey thinking that this would be like a funny paranormal weird romp. And then I was like, wait, these are possibly legitimate explanations for this bizarre (laughs) phenomenon. And there are definitely like, it's not hard to find pictures, particularly for some reason from England, where people are just like, oh, found some star jelly today on my walkabout. It's always raining there. Yeah, so that, I think, kind of makes the frog explanation seem more likely because there's lots of rain, so it'd be easy for some bits of frog to just get gross. I, uh, I'm stunned. <laughs> I feel so pleased. I feel like it's quite hard to really stun you when doing a science, uh, even, like, a... I feel like this is, like, a half science. Like, I'm not a doctors didn't tell me these things so you know this is like three half sciences i just uh you know there's just like things you know that are like this is a fact of life uh there are bacteria and everything you know it's like you that fork that you just pulled out of dishwasher still has bacteria in it probably you're putting it in your cabinet it's definitely getting bacteria from the cabinet your eyelashes have a whole colony of mites that live there and eat dust. They're friends. You know? Yeah. But, and you know, it's, it's you know, like, there's bacteria in your gut. Like, you, there's bacteria in your skin. And, the, and it's not necessarily bad to have the bacteria everywhere. But I never in a billion years would have predicted what comes out of your mouth is bacteria living in clouds. It's like, a fucking <laughs> course they are. I know, I had the same thing, where I was like, everything is bacteria. It was like the (laughs) Matrix, when Neo is like, oh, everything is the Matrix? Like, everything is bacteria. But there's still something a little weird about it, being like, there's bacteria in clouds? Mm." If there are any listeners among us who are struggling with, uh, like, hypochondria and and fear of bacteria, this is not your episode. No, definitely not. (laughs) this is also, not your podcast let's be real <laughs> there are any listeners out there that are knowledgeable of bacteria we are all ears <laughs> tell us all about it forever and uh goodbye forever goodbye forever All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. <laughs>